Are we good? We're good. We're loud. Room like this, I could probably do this without a microphone pretty easily, but uh, man, it's an exciting day, isn't it? Sun shining. We got baptisms today. Softball today. Oh, yeah. Figure out how to do this. It's kind of different arrangement than usual. All right, I think we got it. So we are in the middle of a series on the Psalms. In the summer, we've been spending each Sunday taking a look at a Psalm. And uh, it's my pleasure this morning to uh, lead you in Psalm 119. So if you're not familiar with Psalm 119, uh, it is the longest of all the Psalms. In fact, it's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. So I picked a good one. In fact, with 176 verses, it's longer than all of the Psalms that we're going to cover this summer combined. So we need to get started because we don't have a lot of time. So Psalm 119, uh, it only takes about 20 minutes to read through it. So let's get started. Okay, so we're not going to read all the way through it. Um, but I did want to just kind of set you up that way because I wanted to ask you a question, what if I did? What if all I did this morning was read from God's Word, 176 verses, Psalm 119? So I got an awesome. Um, uh, but some of you, maybe that's not your initial reaction, okay? Maybe uh, you'd be surprised because that's not typically what we do. Uh, maybe you'd uh, be kind of disappointed. Uh, would you be eventually bored, get distracted? Or would you feel overwhelmed at that much Scripture all at once? Uh, so what, depending on what your habits are with God's Word, you might have a different reaction. Uh, but I want you to hold on to that thought. Whatever your initial feeling is there, we'll come back to it. Um, so because we don't have time to go through the whole psalm, what we're going to do is just get the ball rolling with the first 16 verses. And uh, I forgot to turn on my clicker just to make sure I've got that going. Um, but we're going to get started with the first 16 verses of the psalm and actually go through those pretty quickly because I want to spend a little bit of time giving you some background on the psalm and giving you a foundation because what I want to do is challenge you over this next week to read the remaining 160 verses on your own. And so you can spend some time in God's word that way, uh, but I want to set you up well for that. So uh, I think you'll be encouraged by it. Uh, despite its length, though, Psalm 119 is got a very clear central theme. And so we'll see that right from the beginning, and you'll see that continued throughout the, uh, the, let me make sure this is working. As you spend time in it throughout the week, you will see that theme carried through. And I've summarized the theme in the, the title for today, which is Words to Live By. Now, if you have your Bible open uh, to Psalm 119, and you look above, if your Bible is one with kind of section titles, you might see the words uh, are something similar to your word as a lamp to my feet. And this comes directly from this psalm from verse 105, which says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it's really that idea that these are words to live by. And so we want to take those uh, to heart this morning. Um, so we know that Psalm 119 is about God's word. It's about the influence it has, or at least that it can have in our life to guide our steps like a lamp, uh, to be our supreme guidebook and rule for life. Uh, it shows us how God intends his children to hang on his every word. Uh, so that's our big idea this morning, uh, that God's children hang on his every word. 
So we're going to come back to that uh, over and over today. So, thinking back to your initial reaction to what if we just read Scripture, uh, and that's all we did this morning. Uh, If you're being honest with yourself, how do you think that would go? Would you stay tuned in for the whole duration, 20 minutes? Would you start strong and then kind of check out, maybe in and out? Maybe you'd check out immediately. Maybe you didn't even hear my question. (laughs) If that's you, check back in. It's time. Um, so, uh, as I've thought through this psalm and reflected on the psalmist's uh, posture toward the words of God that he has spoken, I find myself asking, do I cherish God's word? And I think that's good for us to ask questions about ourselves when we read God's word. Uh, do I hang on his every word? And so that's the question we're asking today. Um, and when I've asked myself that question, I know there are days when I would rather... Or I'm more interested in hearing commentary on the Word of God uh, than the Bible itself, or maybe some other topic entirely. And so my heart isn't always drawn directly to God's Word. And I think it's important then to ask why. Why is that? Why do I struggle with that sometimes? Um, after all, I know Christ. I know He's my Savior. I know that I have a relationship with Him. Um, so why, why am I not drawn to His Word uh, so readily sometimes? Uh, and I think it really comes down to the fact uh, that we uh, have this thing called sin in our life and in the world. And uh, I'm going to try and identify some specific hang-ups that I think we have when we approach God's Word to help us engage with it better. Uh, but even as Christians, while we are eternally secure and freed from the power of sin in our life through faith in Christ. And we're going to hear some testimonies today uh, from people that are getting baptized. We are still impacted by sin through a combination of personal temptation and cultural influence. And so sometimes those seep in to our life and into our mind and impact us negatively in terms of how we view God's word. So uh, before we continue, we'll just pray with me uh, so we can approach God's word this way. God, we thank you for the time to be in your word this morning. We thank you for the Psalms uh, that point us to you. We thank you for uh, being a God who wants to communicate with us. Thank you for communicating clearly and uh, allowing us to be part of your family. Lead us this morning. Show us uh, a little bit more about who you are and and give us a renewed value for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we could spend an entire summer going through all the different ways that this psalm helps point us to God's word and and show us its value. Uh, We're just going to highlight a few this morning. Uh, Oh, I did miss something there. That's all right. Oops. Ah. (laughs) This is definitely new for me. All right, so we're going to look at how... uh, You can read that. God makes a big deal about his word, and some of the background we'll talk about will show us that God's word is pretty important to God. That seems about right. Um, God is an effective author. He speaks with purpose and consequence. There is uh, meaning to what he has to say, and uh, a lot of that meaning means that he has intended his word for the good of his children, for us, that it's for our good to, to follow what God's said. 
So a little bit of background on the psalm. Uh, I've told you it's long. I've told you it's 176 verses. That's comprised of 22 sections of eight verses each. So it's formed in an acrostic format. If you're familiar with acrostic, uh, the, each section has a designated letter. In this case, the Hebrew alphabet is 22 letters. And so each section gets its own letter. And each verse in that section begins in the Hebrew language with that designated letter. So what does that mean for us? Uh, there's nothing uh, mystical or magical about an acrostic being used, but it does show a point of emphasis that God's making that this is something he values highly, and it's kind of to draw attention to uh, the text. So we know, first of all, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's all about God's word. He cares a lot about his word, and so it's important for us to take notice. Um, Something else kind of interesting to me is instead of being like uh, each verse being a link in a chain of a continuous story-like format, uh, they're more like somebody described it as individual pearls uh, on a string. And so each one kind of stands independently on its own, but collectively they all point in unison to the same central theme of God's word. And so as you're reading through that, you can, you can uh, take notice there. Um, each pearl is, uh, has variety, though. There's a lot of different variety. And one of those varieties is word choice. And so in this psalm, uh, by my count, there's 178 direct references to God's word uh, in some form or fashion. And uh, eight different Hebrew words used, scattered about. Um, but the thing that stood out to me as I was reflecting on this psalm is a lot of those words are not likely to stir up the same joy and wonder that I see in the psalmist reaction to it. So for a quick test, if you got your Bible... Uh, or your phone or something, or just hold it up. And then tell me with one word, uh, what do you hold in your hand? What do you call this that you have in your hand? Truth. God's word. Life. Sword. Instruction. Okay, good. Those are all good. Um, One of them made the list. Actually, two. Um, how about laws, commandments, testimonies, precepts, statutes, rules? Anybody think of rules? <laughs> Who's a rule lover? Raise your hand. Oh, we got no weirdos here today. That's okay. <clears throat> So when you think of that list of words, what does that stir up? Excitement? Joy? Not likely. So most of us have a negative reaction to this list of words, um, at least not a strong positive reaction. But 130 times in this psalm, one of those words is used by God to describe his own word. And so we notice this thing that I notice is a disconnect between uh, our language, or at least the way we perceive these words, and God's word. And so we're kind of at opposition with God before we even begin to read. So I wanted to bring that up because the thing I notice about the psalmist interaction with these words is it's extremely positive, and we'll see that as we dive in. Um, But it is important for us to recognize that because sometimes we come to God's word with baggage, and we have our mind made up about certain things instead of looking to hear what God has said about them. Did the prophet Isaiah 
God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And this, I think, is critical for us to have in mind when we approach God's word, because we're not approaching God's word to implant our own desires, our own meanings, our own thoughts, but we're there uh, to see what he has to say. So it shouldn't be any surprise to us uh, that we're going to have this inner conflict as we approach it, but because we know that God makes a big deal about his word, we can approach it ready to be challenged, expecting to be confronted, uh, expecting our sin to be confronted, and for the light of his word to illuminate our path so we can change direction if we need to, okay, with our daily living. So that's a lot of kind of foundation background, uh, but we're going to dump our, jump into the psalm now. And I'm gonna, we're going to do it in two sections. We'll do the first 12 verses, kind of go through that. We'll talk about those, and then we'll finish with the last four. So uh, verses 1 through 12, here we go. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart, When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. That's a good chunk there. And you see... That list of words that I described to you, that I gave you. Precepts, statutes, commandments, rules. So put away your initial reactions to those, and we'll see what, uh, let's talk about what's here. In the first couple of verses, first three really, um, we see blessedness. Uh, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And uh, this, I think, communicates to us that God is the author of blessedness. And you could, another word, uh, word you could translate is with happiness. Um, it's like a state of blessing, of contentment, of satisfaction. God is the source of that, okay? Um, and he intends for us to trust him for peace and happiness, to walk in his way and seek him. Um, there's a lot of distractions out there claiming to be the source of fulfillment in this way, uh, but they ultimately fall short. It's God who provides the blessed. Uh, the state of blessing. Um, so I'd ask you, what are your pursuits in life that you may be depending on to provide this uh, sense of blessedness or happiness? Now, uh, we spent a good amount of time in our church uh, this last year going through the Sermon on the Mount, which includes the Beatitudes. So uh, we won't spend a lot of time talking about the blessedness idea, but it's always, it doesn't ever hurt to revisit those talks. They're all online, so... There's a plug for that. Um, I want to back up just a minute. Um, One thing I forgot to mention I wanted to share with you. Um, You may have your own way of taking a look at the Bible when you study it, when you open it at home. Uh, But uh, I wanted to share with you some of the questions I ask. So first of all, uh, we already know the psalm is about God's word. So these are a little tailored to this psalm. 
But what does the text say about God and his word? Just ask that question when you look at the scripture. Secondly, what does the text teach us about the attitude or the action uh, that we ought to have toward God and his word? And then thirdly, what needs to change in my life? That's the hard question. What needs to change in my life so that my attitude and actions would better reflect those of the psalmist? Um, And we'll talk about some of that as we go through. Um, So another uh, piece to this section here is that God's word is consequential. We see see throughout that there's kind of a cause and effect, uh, that it has impact. So God's word produces blessedness. We talked about that. It's also designed to keep the follower from shame. Verse 6, we see that. From impurity in verse 9, guarding your life according to his word. And it keeps us from sin. We see that in verse 11. So God doesn't speak words out into a vacuum without a purpose. He has meaning and purpose behind it. And uh, it's there for us. So he means for us to follow his word. This is the attitude or action that we take towards God's word, to follow it. You might notice nine out of 12 of the verses we read use a word like keep or walk in. There's this idea of obedience. And the other three are really about just learning and knowing God's word. So they're all connected there. Uh, But the question I ask when I think about following and keeping God's word, especially related to sin, is I wanted to ask you is where do you find the power to kill off sin in your life? What have you been doing to try and kill off sin? What do you do or where do you turn when you're trying to overcome a habit of gossip, maybe a pornography addiction, or whatever other sin it is that kind of seems to keep coming back in your life? Um, What is it that you turn to? Well, in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus is talking to some of the Jews that have believed in him, and he said, Uh, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I wanted to share this passage for a couple reasons. One, because it underscores this idea, but it's also a New Testament passage. And so sometimes we can approach the Old Testament, think about these words like statutes, rules, laws, commandments, and think, oh, that's not for us anymore. It's something different, but it's still God's word. And uh, we see Jesus telling the Jews that, If they abide in his word, they will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. There is power in the truth. There is power in God's word. And uh, he went on to explain to the Jews that it's power over sin that he's talking about, because they were a little confused about that. Uh, But he was teaching them that they are slaves to sin, and through his word, they can be freed from that. And so can we. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you know what that freedom is like. You have that freedom from sin because of Christ. Uh, Yeah. Something else we see in connection with this, uh, not just following God's commands or God's word, uh, but is a level, uh, a description of some kind of degree or intensity with which we follow. Uh, It's not a partial following. And we see this in the phrases like uh, in verses 2 and 10, where it says, with a whole heart, uh, diligently or steadfast, with eyes fixed, and an upright heart. All of these words indicating some wholeness of focus or wholeness of devotion. And so we miss the point if we think what God has designed for us is simply just a checkbox list of rules. Right? That's not really what it's about. 
And so this idea of full devotion, full commitment kind of flows into the last four verses. So let's read those next. Verses 13 to 16. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So here we see the devotion of the psalmist breaking out into verbal declaration of God's rules. When's the last time you spoke out loud God's rules or commandments or laws and not just the ones you like? Remember he says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in, sorry, with my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. There, yeah. All of them. And actually, that's one, one thing I wanted to note that throughout this psalm, um, you'll be hard-pressed to find specific rules or laws uh, because the point here of this psalm is not about any specific one. It's not even whether you like it or doesn't even give you an opportunity to argue about it or evaluate God's rules. Oftentimes, that's how we approach laws and rules in our society, right? We want to see if it's one we like, and if we don't, we want to change it. Um, but the psalmist gives no indication that he's debating with God, because the point is not about what the rules or laws are. It's about who they came from and who is giving them, who is speaking. So it's about who God is and his perfection that serves as a source of overflowing joy that wells up within his children and spills out in praise of declaration of his word. So God's word is about forging a relationship between us as his children and him as our father. It's not about idolizing the words, seeing how many Bible plans you can go through in a month, any of that. But it's about trusting the author and learning or sorry, and leaning into everything that he has said about himself, about the world, and about us and his family. So we can hang on his every word. And we can know that we are secure, that he has our back, he is faithful, he has a plan, and he makes it possible for us to know him. Now today, uh, we've heard it a couple times, and maybe the reason why you're here is because there's some baptisms happening. It's an exciting day because we have the opportunity to celebrate uh, as a church family, uh, both involved church and extended, uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ who are ready to make a public declaration that they trust the author of life. Not that they have done good enough, a, a good enough job following God's rules to earn a place in his family, but to announce that they realize that they aren't good enough and that they never will be without a savior and that they now have a relationship with Jesus and that through faith in him as their savior, um, they can be saved. I wanted to finish uh, by noting one, one word that uh, occurs in these last uh, couple verses. Uh, I think it's, yeah. Verse uh, 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. This word delight intrigues me because it's not one that I use very much other than I'd be delighted to come to the softball game tonight, which I'm sure you all are. Um, or it'd be my pleasure to hang out with you. 
but is this idea of rejoicing and taking pleasure in something. Um, but it's not a lighthearted pleasure. So verse 14 makes it clear that uh, the level of pleasure is maximum level, as much as in all riches. And when we see all these different phrases about wholeness of devotion and as much as all riches, maximum devotion, uh, we really have to self-reflect and uh, consider how we view God. So where does God's word sit on the scale of what you treasure and value in life? Do you yearn and long for God's word when you haven't heard it or read it for a while? Or does the lack of God's word just sort of blend into the normalcy of life until someone else brings it around? Now, if we peek ahead, just a few verses uh, to verse 20, it says this. Sorry. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. God intends for us to have a deep longing for his word and to prioritize it above all else, all the time. He wants us to hang on his every word. So as we enter our response time today, uh, I have a couple challenges for you. Um, is his word a non-negotiable regularity in the rhythm of your life? I know for me, uh, it's been times when I've elevated other pursuits or passions, uh, when I've made those things non-negotiables, where whatever happens this week, I'm making time for this. I'm making time for work. I'm making time for sleep. I'm making time for softball. I'm making time to get into the gym. Whatever it is, um, okay, I'll fess up. The gym one has never been on my list, so... <laughs> <clears throat> for some of you it has uh, but it's in those times when I focus more on those things than God's word that I've been most disconnected from God so it's not those activities not that those are sinful in themselves it's just that I was choosing those over God and uh, so during the response time today I wanted to ask you what is one activity in your life let's come up yeah. What is one activity in your life that, based on your prioritization of time, tends to trump your commitment to God's Word? So if you have anything at all that holds greater value than God in your life and His Word, then I want to challenge you to be honest with yourself and confess, confess that to God. And I would further encourage you to share that with somebody um, that can help you in developing that rhythm uh, with God's Word a non-negotiable rhythm. And one way you can do that today is by taking your response card. So you should have a response card in the seat back in front of you. Uh, Brett mentioned that. You can jot that, act that thing down and uh, we'd love to pray with you and, and help you however we can. The second thing is that as Christians, we need to be committed to the fact that this is God's truth. So I wanted to ask you that, uh, that Sometimes we have doubts, though. So if you struggle uh, with fully embracing the idea that God's word is truth, uh, just write down the word truth with a question mark there. And we'd love to talk to you about that um, because ultimately 
we need confidence that this is true. And if you'd like to know why I think the Bible is true, come talk to me because I don't have time to tell you right now. So as you continue reading through the psalm this week, keep this question in mind. Am I hanging on God's every word?